0: It's day nine of Heart Dive 365. I'm your Bible study friend, Kenoy. Welcome to the Heart Dive Podcast. Well, today we are entering into round three of this heavyweight bout between Job and his friends in Job chapters 21 through 23. But first, I did have a new resource to share because I just bought this for my daughter and I'm in love with it. If you've got young children, highly recommend. It's called The Biggest Bible Storybook. This is not a Bible. However, it has most of the most important stories of the Bible, and just look how incredible the illustrations are, the bold colors, and the way that I see myself using this is to read through these stories whenever we're going through devotionals and allowing them to see these pictures. I mean, if I'm being honest, I really wanted to rip these pages out and stick them in my Bible, but maybe it'll inspire me to get a little creative in my Bible. I don't know, but I love this. I think that it is a wonderful story. They are very clear about it not being the inerrant word of God. However, the stories themselves are very accurate and theologically sound. So I do have that linked in my Amazon link below if you want to take a look at that. And speaking of resources, we have launched the Heart Vault on our website. Thank you to those of you who went in and checked out days one through six, or maybe even seven at this point. And for those of you who did support our ministry by purchasing some of those PDFs, we are so grateful for that. And we hope that it has been helpful for you in your studies. I know some people are keeping them in the digital form so that they can create like a full book at the end of the year or even at the end of the month, and then other people are printing them out. So it's really up to you how you want to use them. And again, for those of you who are like, what What are you talking about? These are the resources that we have created that include our daily heart checks, the chapter summaries, and the written prayer that I speak each day. And those are currently available for a dollar each day. We are still working on it, working through it, still figuring it out, whether or not we're going to bundle these things a little bit later. We are trying to keep everyone in mind, but for right now, this is a way to support and we give you something in return. That's the way we're looking at it. So again, we're not trying to drive a bunch of sales here, but if that is not feasible for you in any way. but still want to know how you can support or give back I've got several free options for you One is actually by not hitting that skip button whenever you encounter those pesky little ads in the beginning and I think even at the end of the videos, some people have said that they have chosen to help support the ministry through that, and what they do is they'll press play, they'll go get their coffee, they'll go do the things they need to do, set up for Bible study, and a minute or two passes, and it's all done, and you've given back, you've helped out, and so we are grateful for that. I actually had the ads that were in the middle of the videos removed because to me, the payoff to me was not worth being able to distract your Bible study time. I didn't even know that those were taking place, but once somebody let me know, I went ahead and removed that because I was like, no, that is that is not worth it to me. Um, this may mean, but if you are willing to sacrifice in the beginning or even at the end, we would greatly appreciate it. Another way is by simply hitting that like button every time you come to Bible study, but of course you owe me nothing. I do this because I love Jesus, I love his word and I love you guys. It will definitely be able to help me to sustain this long-term and again, I would be oh so grateful. Otherwise, let's go ahead and pray and prepare our hearts as we get into today's word. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for another day. Thank you for our community. Thank you for this time we get to spend together. Thank you, though, most of all, for the time we get to spend with you. This is what it's about is our relationship with you. We are grateful, Lord, that we have a place to come to that feels very safe, where we can read your word, where we can gain new understanding and new perspectives. And I just pray that we will be open to that, but also go. Guard our hearts, Lord, give us discernment on truth, and I just pray, Lord, that you will help me to speak nothing but truth. Lord, where I have erred, I ask for your forgiveness and I just pray right now that you'll forgive us of all of our sins. Help us to realize where we may be falling short or crossing over the line. Maybe we don't understand that certain things are sin. Will you bring those things to light today, Lord? I pray that you will please allow us to have clean hands and a pure heart as we get ready to open your word. The daily manna, our spiritual nourishment. Thank you for it, Lord, for it is alive and it is active. And so we are excited for what you are going to do in us and through us today have your way today holy spirit will give you full permission to do what you need to do we love you so much we pray these things in jesus name amen so we are starting back here with job replying to zophar's last speech that we heard yesterday so then job answered and said keep listening to my words and let this be your comfort Bear with me and I will speak. And after I've spoken, mock on. So he's basically telling them, please just let me have a moment to be able to speak my heart. And then you guys can continue in your criticism and your jeering. As for me is my complaint against man, why should I not be impatient? Look at me and be appalled and lay your hand over your mouth. So again, he is reiterating that his fight is not with his friends. It is actually with God. And when I remember, I am dismayed and shuddering seizes my flesh. Why do the wicked live, reach old age and grow mighty in power? Their offspring are established in their presence and their descendants before their eyes. So here we see him beginning to expose the weaknesses in his friends. Friends' belief that only the wicked suffer and the righteous do not. Their houses are safe from fear, and no rod of God is upon them. Well, that's because of the fact that they really have no belief and therefore they have no fear of the judgment of God. Their bull breeds without fail, their cow calves and does not miscarry. They send out their little boys like a flock and their children dance. They sing to the tambourine and the lyre and rejoice to the sound of the pipe. They spend their days in prosperity and in peace they go down to the shore. So, he's describing here the prosperity of the wicked, and they say to God, depart from us. So, now whenever they do see God, they are rejecting Him. We do not desire the knowledge of your ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit do we get if we pray to Him? Behold, is not their prosperity in their hand? The counsel of the wicked is far from me. How often is it that the lamp of the wicked is put out? And the implied answer here is It's not very often that the wicked are snuffed out. And this is the opposite of what Bildad said in chapter 18, that their calamity comes upon them, that God distributes pains in his anger. Again, opposite to what Zophar said in chapter 20, that they are like straw before the wind and like chaff that the storm carries away. You say, God stores up their iniquity for their children. Let him pay it out to them that they may know it. Let their own eyes see their destruction and let them drink of the wrath of the Almighty. For what do they care of their houses after them when the number of their months is cut off? So Job is almost standing up and saying, objection, you guys have been saying that the children of the wicked would be punished, but clearly they're not. And there is scripture that would then say, sustain Job, you are right. One example of that being Deuteronomy 24. Will any teach God knowledge, seeing that he judges those who are on high? So it seems as though Job is kind of correcting himself now on the fact that he questioned God's ways. One dies in his full vigor, being wholly at ease and secure. His pails full of milk and the marrow of his bones moist. Another dies in bitterness of soul, never having tasted of prosperity. They lie down alike in the dust and the worms cover them. So, he's declaring that both the wealthy and the poor will end up dying. That is our great equalizer, is death. Behold, I know your thoughts and your schemes to wrong me. For you say, where is the house of the prince, who was once rich? Where is the tent in which the wicked lived, who was later judged? So, he is showing here the moral order and the justice that he knows will eventually take place. Have you not asked those who travel the roads and do you not accept their testimony that the evil man is spared in the day of calamity that he is rescued in the day of wrath who declares his way to his face and who repays him for what he has done so basically no one rebukes the powerful they all seem to be protected and they have done well. When he is carried to the grave, watch is kept over his tomb. The clods of the valley are sweet to him. All mankind follows after him. And those who go before him are innumerable. How then will you comfort me with empty nothings? There is nothing left of your answers but falsehood. So he ends here by saying, your guys' stance is not even logical at this point. And throughout this chapter, Job is countering his friend's arguments that the righteous will be blessed and that the wicked will suffer. That's what they've been saying. Well, some scholars believe that his friends hold fast to this argument in fear that they might fall into the same destiny as Job if they think otherwise. They want to believe that in their righteousness, they won't have to suffer like he currently is. So they really do believe that he has done wickedly. And as we know, this is a misjudgment on their part. So heart check, how do you cope with misjudgment? or misunderstanding by friends or outsiders. And now we hear from Eliphaz in his last speech here in chapter 22. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, "'Can a man be profitable to God? "'Surely he who is wise is profitable to himself.'" So in other words, he's saying God doesn't owe us anything, which is true, but that is being misapplied here because God doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't owe us anything. However, it does bring him pleasure That Job is righteous. Because remember, God does have emotions, so we make him happy whenever we do the right thing. Is it any pleasure to the Almighty if you are in the right? Yes. Or is it gain to him if you make your ways blameless? So in other words, he's saying, you aren't special, Job. Is it for your fear of him that he reproves you and enters into judgment with you? So it seems like he thinks that Job is no longer God fearing. But the thing is, is that God isn't reproving or correcting Job here. Is not your evil abundant? There is no end to your iniquities. So you're the worst of the sinners. For you have exacted pledges of your brothers for nothing and stripped the naked of their clothing. You have given no water to the weary to drink, and you have withheld bread from the hungry. The man with power possessed the land, and the favored man lived in it. You have sent widows away empty, and the arms of the fatherless were crushed. Therefore snares are all around you, and sudden terror overwhelms you, or darkness so that you cannot see, and a flood of water covers you. So this might be in reference to the days of Noah, and he is telling Job you're being judged as in the days of Noah. Now, Eliphaz is making some pretty pointed accusations here, but if he lived in a completely different region, how would he even know about these things? Well, perhaps it was that he was listening to the town gossip, where everyone was left to draw their own conclusions about what happened to Job. You know that everybody does that when something happens to somebody, it's an immediate like what they do. And they all began looking for the fault rather than finding the fruit. And that is what gossip will do, which is why it is such a dangerous thing for us to do. So heart check, do you find yourself looking for fault or fruit in others? And starting here in verse 12, there will be a little bit of theological teaching, so a lot of truths that are misapplied once again. Is not God high in the heavens? See the highest stars, how lofty they are. But you can say, what does God know? Can He judge through the deep darkness? Thick clouds veil Him so that He does not see, and He walks on the vault of heaven. Will you keep to the old way what wicked men have trod? They were snatched away before their time. Their foundation was washed away. So he's telling him, he sees everything, Job. This is why he has taken you down. They said to God, depart from us. And what can the Almighty do to us? So here he is twisting what Job said in the previous chapter where he said, they say to God, depart from us. We do not desire the knowledge of your ways. So he's essentially calling Job the very wicked people that Job was describing. Yet he filled their houses with good things. But the counsel of the wicked is far from me. The righteous see it. And and are glad the innocent one mocks at them saying surely our adversaries are cut off and what they left the fire has consumed and now as always he is calling him to repent once again here in verse 21 agree with God and be at peace thereby good will come to you receive instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. If you remove injustice far from your tents, if you lay gold in the dust and gold of Ophir among the stones of the torrent bed, then the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. For then you will delight yourself in the Almighty and lift up your face to God." You will make your prayer to him, and he will hear you, and you will pay your vows. You will decide on a matter, and it will be established for you. And light will shine on your ways. Now, Eliphaz is dangerously promoting the "name it and claim it" type of prayer, as if we know what is best for our lives, rather than submitting to God's plan and purpose. And this is sometimes conveyed as an element of what is known as the prosperity gospel, where basically, if you think positive and speak. It into existence, and if you live a good enough life, then everything is going to be nothing but an abundance for you. But Jesus never said that, and He never prayed this way, nor did He teach us to pray that way. So, heart check do you decide on what God needs to establish in your life, or are you yielding to Him to establish your ways? And Job replies here in chapter 23. Then Job answered and said, "'Today also my complaint is bitter. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat.' I would lay my case before Him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know what He would answer me and understand what He would say to me. So, He wants a fair trial with God Himself. He wants to be able to be face-to-face with Him so He can declare His innocence. Would He contend with me in the greatness of His power? No. He would pay attention to me. There, an upright man could argue with Him, and I would be acquitted forever by my judge. So, there is that glimmer of hope once again that He is stubbornly holding on to in the best way possible. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there and backward, but I don't perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. So, Job has gone in every direction, but fails to find God. But notice where he failed to look. He failed to look up. I think a lot of us fail to do this as well. We'll start off by crying to our spouse, calling up our sister or our best friend, going to a counselor, or even going to Facebook asking everyone for prayers or maybe even answers before we ever actually get on our knees ourselves and seek an answer from God. And the Bible says that He inhabits the praises of His people. And that means that He is enthroned upon your praise and ruling over your life. So heart check. Where do you go when seeking answers or advice? Is your first resort to look up? Verse 10, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. So, because He knows where we are at all times, where we're going, He sees everything, He finds us a lot easier than when we're trying to look for Him. That is why we've got to maintain that lifestyle of praise and worship so that we can stand upon that promise that He inhabits the praises of His people. But looking at verse 10 here, this verse may have actually been what Peter was referring to in 1 Peter chapter 1, where he says, Our faith, tried by fire, is much more precious Than gold that perishes. So, why does God send us into the fire to be able to refine us? Well, if we know anything about what the fire does to precious metals, it purifies it in such a way that it then comes out shiny. That's how you'll get that shiny gold. Because if you go digging for gold, it's actually not shiny the way that we know it, in our jewelry or anything that we ever buy in gold. And so he wants to be able to see his reflection in us. So when he purifies us, when he cleans out the gunk and the junk, that's where that holiness will come to the surface. That is where we find the essence of the abundant life. And He wants us to come out of the fire better than when we went in. So before we ever even go into the fire, the time of testing and trial, we are in a state that God wants to better us. He wants to make us more pure. He wants to make us more precious. Not because He's a mean God trying to make us feel pain, but because He knows there is a better life for us. And if you think back on your life and the hard times that you went through, for the most part, at least for me when I look back on it, I think, man, I did come out a better person. I did learn from those experiences. I did see where I don't want to get burned again. And I think it's important for us to be able to recognize that so it prepares our heart for when we walk into the next one. Verse 11, My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food." So he is continuing to defend his integrity here, especially in the sense that he loves the Word of God. He loves what has been spoken over him, and he's been holding fast to it, again, stubbornly, right? But in the best way possible. And I hope that we'll all be the same, that we will stubbornly hold on to the Word of God and hold on to His promises for our lives. But He is unchangeable, and who can turn Him back? So, we can't. I mean, nobody can force Him to do anything. What He desires, that He does. For He will complete what He appoints for me, and many such things are in His mind. Therefore, I am terrified at His presence when I consider I am in dread of Him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me, yet I am not silenced because of the darkness, or even maybe the depression that He might be in, nor because thick darkness covers my face." So somehow, Job's faith is elastic enough to be able to embrace simultaneously both fear and confidence. And I think this gives us a little bit of hope here today because sometimes we can really get down on ourselves whenever we fear or whenever we're doubting, but we see it throughout the book of Job. It doesn't mean to stay stuck in that place. God doesn't want Job to stay stuck there, and he is going to intervene so that he doesn't but if you are condemning yourself for being there, let this be an encouragement to you, but now let's try to get out of that. So on that note, let's take a look at some of the deep dive questions for this week. Do you see the wicked prospering in today's society? And does this challenge your view on divine justice? How do you navigate injustice in your faith walk? And how does Eliphaz's view on repentance and restoration resonate with your own views And how does today's reading reflect the importance of discernment? And the last question we just spoke about, did you come out better because of some of the hard times in your life? And how can this shape how you go into the next trial? So Lord, we thank you today for this short but powerful word. We trust in you, our just and sovereign God. Even in those times of being misjudged or misunderstood, we hold fast to the truth of who we are in you, knowing that all things will one day be brought to light. I pray, Lord, that while we are here on this earth experiencing injustice all around us, that we will be able to continue to put our trust in you. And I pray that you will give us the wisdom and patience if we ever have to face this directly. May we always stay focused on you with our ears tuned to your voice about who we are. Thank you for hearing our prayers and answering us when we cry out. We surrender all of our own desires and selfish ways to you, and we yield our will to you so that yours can be done. As we humble ourselves before you, we know that you will lift us up and declare us innocent. And we recognize that you are all-seeing and all-knowing, and this helps us to walk with confidence and peace thank you for building our faith just as you were building jobs and as hard as it may be we will trust you even in the times of testing knowing that you are refining us by fire may we not wrestle against you in those moments so that we don't have to stay in that fire any longer than necessary and may we be open to this process knowing that we will come out better than when we went in and may our faith lord remain unshakable each and every day We love you so much. We pray these things in Jesus name, amen. Heaven and salvation is a divine gift that is given to us by grace. None of us deserve it. In fact, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death and every single one of us have fallen short. And then we desperately need someone to pay that price. And Jesus did it. He didn't do it because we are righteous on our own merit. He did it because he loves us and he wants to spend eternity with us but it won't happen if we don't receive Him before we leave this earth as Lord and Savior. Hell is a very real thing, and there is no second chance after we take our last breath here. So I wanna be able to give someone the opportunity today who is saying, I'm ready. I've never given my life to Christ. I don't know where I'm gonna end up after I die, but I don't wanna live another day without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt where I am going to end up. I see now that this is real and I want to believe. So if that is you, we're gonna say a prayer and I'm gonna put the words on the screen so that you can say them audibly with your mouth because the Bible says that when you believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that He died and rose again, then you will be saved. So we're gonna say this prayer together. Believe it in your heart, speak it with your mouth, and know that this is indeed the day of your salvation. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that you came, you died, and you rose again. I confess my sins to you today, and I turn from them, and I now live my life for you. I know that I am forgiven of all my sins, so I receive you now as Lord and Savior, and I belong to you, Jesus.